All right, good morning, happy Easter. Welcome to Upgrade Your Faith. I'm Luke Gradeless, and we are doing our quarantine sermons that we've been doing for the last what is it, three, four weeks now. I hope everybody is staying safe. I hope everybody is healthy, and I hope everybody isn't too stressed about all of the situation. I think this is a great time for us to remember that um, the church is not the building. The church is the people. And no matter what the world faces, no matter you know quarantine, viruses, economic stress, uh, it doesn't mean it's easy to go through those things. But what we do know is no matter what we go through, God's still sitting on the throne. Jesus is right there by his side. And the Holy Spirit is in believers giving them the power, the discernment, and the love that they need to face whatever strife it is that's out there. And so this is a wonderful time for us where even though this is so strange on Easter Sunday for us to not be together, uh, to not be in the house of the Lord, to not be uh, worshiping with your brothers and sisters by your side, giving hugs and handshakes and all those wonderful things, um, at the same time, this is a challenge to us to remember that the church isn't the building, it's the people. We still are the body of Christ. We still have his work to do. We have that mission, which is to go out into the world and to make disciples by preaching the gospel, teaching the word, and, and we've got to keep doing those things any way and every way we can. And so I encourage you, no matter all the stress or strife or, or you know different things that you're feeling, do not let those things stop you from rejoicing. The beauty of God's kingdom is, is that his kingdom is bigger than this earth. It is bigger than this world. Uh, as he says in scripture, do not fear, I have overcome the world. And so, well, yes, we live in this world and we feel all the things that happen here. The beautiful truth for us is, is that we have a kingdom that is above this. And we have a hope and a faith and a love that goes beyond what this world has. And so on a day like this, even though you may be at home, rejoice. Rejoice that you're there with the Lord. Rejoice that he is the king. Rejoice that you are part of the family. And hey, enjoy for once on Easter. You can probably be sitting around in the house in your, your sweatpants, shorts, and a t-shirt instead of wondering what your Sunday best was going to be. Uh, so good morning. Happy Easter. We've got both Facebook Live and Instagram Live. So if you see my eyes jumping back and forth, it's because i got two cameras going here. Uh, but I'm so glad that you're here this morning and happy Easter. Um, if, if you don't know me, growing up, I moved a lot. Uh, I think through high school, uh, or through my senior year in high school, I moved 13 times, um, or went to 13 different schools, and often very far away with, with no kids who were the same kids I'd gone to school with before. And so often there was this, this thought in my head, there was this thought I had that when I moved, at the new school it would be different. And what I meant by that was, is I'm, I'm a little bit of a nerdy guy, um, not that I, you know, didn't play sports or, or, or those kind of things, but, um, you know, I was always me. And so a little bit nerdy, a little bit, you know, a jokester, um, very open, transparent with who I am and what I, you know, believe and who, you know, just, I was an open book for a lot of people. And so I always kind of thought to myself, man, at the new school, when I go this time, this is my chance. This is my chance to be new. This is my chance to craft a whole new image. Maybe I should be dark. Maybe I should be mysterious. Uh, maybe I don't reveal to people that I, I'm, you know, uh, a nerdy guy. And I always kind of tell myself, like, let's do this. 
you know. And what I would always find out is within two, three days, most people would know I was who I was. And the reality was as much as my perspective could change, as much as my, my goal might change, I was still me. And so uh, no matter what scenario or situation you put me in, because I was still me, people were going to still see me for who I was. And so a new location didn't necessarily mean a new life because it was still the same old me. And I want us to think about that today because when we think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not only do you and I marvel, just struck with awesome wonder at the power of God, at the power of Jesus Christ, that not even death could defeat him. That not only could death not defeat him, but that you could go from a Friday where he is crucified, which is the lowest point in all of history for those who love him and praise him. I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, most, most Fridays or Saturdays before Easter, I watch The Passion of the Christ, which is a brutal film. Uh, it's unbelievably hard to watch. Um, but I personally watch it because I find sometimes, you know, we, we pick up the Bible and, and we read through this book and there's these beautiful stories that are given to us. And there's these, these stories of sacrifice and love. And the reality is sometimes, though, we just read right through them. Right? It's just a couple of sentences. And, and we read through those couple of sentences and we don't put ourselves there. We don't imagine. We don't picture. We don't think about what those words mean and the depth to them. And I always found for myself that thinking about Jesus on the cross, thinking about Good Friday, that it was so easy for me to drive right by that pain, to drive right by that sacrifice, because I knew the outcome. I already knew that he was going to rise three days later. And so I think it's important to step back and remember the weight of Friday, to remember the death, the pain, the despair, the, the, the sadness that all those who love Jesus felt on that day. And then to marvel at the fact that three days later, we go from realizing that what was the darkest and ugliest and most brutal day possible has now become this unbelievable gift. The darkness has turned to light. The day that we thought was when the enemy was winning is actually the day that our Lord won. And so I've always just loved that Resurrection Sunday isn't just about the power of Christ in his own life and his own ability to defeat death, but also what are the impacts of that to you and me? What does that mean to our life and to what you and I get to experience? If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go ahead and open up to John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, I actually want to read a passage that talks or is Christ talking to his disciples and he's talking to them before he is crucified. And I think one of the things that's amazing to me is, and it really probably shouldn't be amazing, I mean, especially like I know there's a lot of folks watching or teachers, uh, you know, parents, same thing. How many times you got to tell your kids something before they understand it, before they know it, before they put it away here or put it away here? It's amazing to me as you read scripture both Old Testament and New Testament, how many times God's word clearly calls out to the fact that Jesus, the Messiah, will die 
and then we'll rise again. Uh, it's not something that's just lightly discussed. It's not just something that pops in every now and then. It is something that you hear a lot of places. But despite the numerous amount of times that that was discussed, the numerous amount of times that Jesus talked to it, it still seems that his disciples were completely unaware of it. It still seems that they did not think about it. It still feels like they were completely blindsided by it. And I share that because, one, it's an interesting perspective to look at Scripture and realize we should have been surprised by this at all. We should have known this was coming. We should have known this would have happened. We should have been expecting it, but we weren't. And at the same time, it helps you understand the unbelievable awe that the followers have on Easter Sunday. Because there are some things in life that even if you've heard about them, until you see them, you don't understand. Um, It reminds me of when I had kids. You know, I've shared this before. I, I thought I knew what love was, and I thought I understood what it was to to have a kid because I thought oh, I can imagine how you'd love your own child and I always remember being told by my parents and other people like you just don't get it you will not understand until you have your own children and man were they right I remember that first moment like within seconds of, of Tyler being born that you just were hit with this awe of like wow this is love in a different way this is love This is just unreal. And I think the same thing happens when you really truly understand the resurrection. You can understand the concept. You can think about the concept. But experiencing, seeing, being there for it. It's something that causes you to marvel. In John chapter 14 verses 1 through 6. I just wanted to reflect a little bit on Jesus trying to give his disciples this this peace that they need to calm down, that they need to be careful or be okay, because even though the next day will seem bad to them, it's all going to be okay. And so in John chapter 14, uh, Jesus talks about how he's going to go away. Um, You know, in 13, he predicts his betrayal. He talks about how the time has come. And in 14, he gives one of these, these beautiful messages about peace that he wants his disciples to have. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And you will know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but me. And so, I love that saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because it reveals to us a beautiful truth about our relationship with God. You and I need Jesus in our lives for all those things. We need him, one, to be our way. Because being a Christian... Being a disciple of Jesus isn't just about knowledge that's up here. It's not just about feelings that you have in your heart. There are many people who can read this and and remember what it said. There are many people who can go to a worship service and feel an energy, feel an emotion, feel a love. But the real defining nature of a disciple is not just the knowledge. It's not just the feelings. It's do they pursue the way. Is there a way they live their life that is set apart, that is different, 
that is holy, that shows to people, I do not belong to this world. I belong to the kingdom. Do people have that? And in fact, you see this in the early church. The early church was not known as Christian. It was known as the people of the way. And so Jesus calls out here, I am the way. You want to know how to live. You want to know how to behave. You want to know how to love. You want to know how to be powerful and bold and self-disciplined. Then look at me. And the way that I live, that is the path for you. That's the example. That is the way. Not only is he the way, but he's the truth. Which Lord knows we need truth in this world. It has become so popular these days for people to say my truth. Well, that's not my truth. As if there's four billion different truths out there. There's not. The definition of truth is not that there's four billion versions of it. It's that there's one. There's one truth. There's one thing that tells you what is right and wrong, what's black, what's white, what's good, what's evil. There is absolute truth, and God reveals to us. You want to know what that is? It's Jesus. It's him. He's the way to behave. He's the truth that we can measure all things by, and he is the life. And that one's so important to us. It's funny, but if you rewind back to Genesis, when you rewind back to Genesis, what you see most people miss is most people look at death, the the curse of mankind after we fall, after we sin, after we break off our relationship with God by choosing not to follow him, but to be our own gods and go our own way. I think many people look at the fact that we will die as God punishing us. And while, yes, there is an aspect of God disciplining us, I think there is a much bigger truth there for us. You and I were created for a relationship with God. That was the world we were brought into. We were made to glorify God. We were made to be in his presence. We were made to be with him day in and day out. And he isn't just our father. He isn't just our creator. He is our source of life. And in fact, The moment you unplug us from him, the moment we aren't connected to him, what automatically starts to happen? We start to decline and we start to die. And sin, which is death, comes and it breaks us and brings us down. See, the death you and I experience isn't just a result of this sin thing being in our lives. It's that sin is a barrier, a barrier that separates you and I from God. And what is God? He is life. He is life and life abundantly. And so us being with him isn't just a way for us to find peace or to find hope. What the picture of the scriptures present to us is that the reality is if you've never lived with Jesus, if you've never experienced life as a believer, then you haven't lived. You really haven't lived if you don't know the Lord. And that's what's presented to us. Now I want you to think about that. Kind of put that away for a second. And then I want us to read the Easter story and I want you to think about what this truth then is saying. Not just about who he is, but what that means to you and I. So if you have Bibles, flip with me. We're going to jump back from John. We're going to go look at Luke. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 24. We're in Luke 24, looking at verses 1 through 11. It says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. 
but that when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed by this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and then on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And they returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now there were there Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James. Also the other women were with them telling these things to the apostles. And so the first thing that you see on Easter Sunday is you see that the women, the women followers, Mary Magdalene, uh, these different ladies, they go to the tomb to properly fix up Jesus' body. Because if you rewind, what you remember is there was a rush. There was a rush from the moment that Jesus was crucified to get him into the tomb because of Jewish law and tradition. They wanted to have him in there before sunset, before the end of the day. And so Jesus is put into the, the tomb, but not all of the preparation things were done the way they would have preferred. And so after Saturday the Sabbath, the ladies go out on Sunday to take care of his body. And what do they find? They find he's not here. They find he is not there. And I think one of the greatest questions <laughs> ever asked comes from these angels who, who look at the ladies who are just unbelievably shocked by this. And, and they go, don't you remember? Don't you remember what he said? He said that he would be crucified. He said that he would die. He said he'd be in the grave for three days. And then he said he'd rise. So why are you looking for the living among the dead? And that's just a beautiful question. Why are we looking for the living among the dead? And it's not just a beautiful question for this context. It's a beautiful question for you and I. Right, if we go back to this thing we've talked about, where Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that our life comes from, our source of life comes from God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Why do you and I continue to search for life in other things? How many of us try to to change our moods or change our outlook or bring happiness or, or, or different things or a sense of being alive to ourselves through activities or through materialism or through Lord knows what. And yes, man, you know, buying something new can make you happy or watching something funny can make you happy or eating food can make you happy. But what? For a second, for a moment. And then what happens? It fades away. It disappears. And then you find yourself chasing after the next high. How do I do this again? How do I beat this feeling from last time? It's because we aren't remembering what was said, just like the women who showed up there that morning and forgot exactly what Jesus had preached, which was that he would die and that he would rise three days later. They were shocked by this revelation. You and I sometimes are shocked that we keep searching for life in the wrong places. Now, what happens next? If you have your Bibles, let's flip back to John. And now we're going to find ourselves in John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, verses 3 through 10, we see what happens, right? So the ladies show up. The ladies see that he is gone. They have this encounter with the disciples, or the, the angels. They run back to the disciples, and they don't really believe. Even with the fact that this has been mentioned, it was in Scripture, and even now with eyewitnesses, they got to go see for themselves. And so in, chapter, in John chapter 20, verses 3 through 10, here's what we see. 
It says, So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came, following him, and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. And so the other disciples who had first come to the tomb then also entered, and he saw, and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. And so the disciples went away again to their own homes. And so what we will see is, after this moment, there will be more encounters. There will be Jesus talking to the disciples. There will be Jesus running into his people. There will be Jesus interacting, teaching, performing miracles, doing the things that he had always done. But we see in that moment that that's the first time that Peter gets it. Peter's in that tomb, and he's looking at those burial cloths that had been wrapped around Jesus' body. And they're not just tossed aside. They're folded. They're folded. Whoever left didn't leave in a rush. And it's there the first time that Peter senses what happened. That Jesus has risen from the dead. And it's the first time there that you start to get the inkling. The disciples start to realize there is more here than they ever dreamed of. And what I mean by that is it's not completely shocking that Jesus was crucified. And not just because of the fact that men and you know, people in general just are sinful. We, we are broken. We all are. And so it's not shocking, first and foremost, that if God shows himself, if God appears, that, that sinful man would reject him. That tends to be what we do. But also what's not surprising about it is the fact that if you understand what people had expected for hundreds of years, was that the Messiah was not a spiritual king, he was a physical king. They expected that what this Messiah would be was someone like David. He would come, he would establish a physical kingdom, he would set up a physical army, he would vanquish his physical enemies, he would return Israel to a physical, a financial, a political glory. That was the vision they had. And even his disciples Even his disciples who could see throughout their years of ministry with him that his power was beyond what they expected, that his wisdom was beyond what they expected, and and what he was pointing to seemed a little bit different than what they thought. They still struggled with this concept that the kingdom wasn't a kingdom here on earth in the sense of a a, a palace and an army and, and a physical manifestation. They still kind of expected that. And that's why for them it was so strange that he would die. How could it be possible that you're the Messiah, that you're the King, and that you're going to die? And I think for the first time on Easter, as Peter sits in that tomb, and as he looks at those burial cloths, empty and folded, I think for the first time, it starts to enter his mind that this is far beyond what we dreamed. This is far beyond what we figured. This is far greater than anything we could have ever imagined. And I think, brothers and sisters, I, I, I want that to be your hope 
and feeling this morning. For some of us, we've celebrated Easter so many years of our lives, we don't even remember the first. Um, I was graciously and lovingly and thankfully raised in a, a Christian home. I can't tell you the first time I remember hearing about Easter or Jesus or the Word. It has always been part of my life. And there is one problem with that sometimes. If you are not disciplined and if you don't keep your focus, it can be easy to take for granted and become so familiar with the holiday that you miss the wonder of what this day is. See, this day is not just Jesus rising. It is also a whole new life being born to the followers of Christ in what the kingdom is, in what life can be, about what our dreams and our hopes and our passion and our vision can be for. This isn't just about what happens here. It's about something much bigger than that. It is about a kingdom that can't be touched, a kingdom that doesn't last for a generation or two or three, but a kingdom that lasts for eternity. It's not about a life that can be taken from you by disease or by enemies or by violence. It's about a life that lives beyond this body and that lives for eternity. And for that first day on Easter Sunday, I think one of the most beautiful things that happened is not only do the disciples start to realize that Jesus just defeated death physically, but their minds start to ponder a kingdom bigger than they ever dreamed of, of a life more abundant than they ever thought. And I think that's something that you and I need to marvel at today too. Because to be honest with you, I think sometimes I look around at modern Christianity and I think we've settled. I think we've fallen back down from the glorious kingdom that God described and we've, we've settled for something so much less. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we need more than this because this is more than we will ever need. This is everything, what God's truth is to us. But I'm talking about the way you and I approach life. Or sometimes we've turned church into a calendar on our event. No, I'm sorry, an event on our calendar, not a calendar on our event. We've turned it into an activity. We think if we go to small group or Wednesday night or Sunday school or church, uh, if we maybe read the Bible for five, ten minutes before we go to bed at night, or if we say a prayer before we eat, or maybe Caleb is a preset on our radio, that that means we're, we're in the way. We're living the way. And I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. In fact, most of those things should be done. Most of those things God asks us to do. But they are not the totality of being a Christian. They are not a totality of the way, the life, and the truth. Those those are ripple effects. Those Those are things that you see as an effect of what? A new life here. A new life that dreams of things bigger than this, a new life that is not afraid of the death that this world brings, a new life that is not afraid of the darkness that sometimes surrounds us, a new life that dreams of things bigger and bolder and more powerful and loving than anything this world can put its finger on. And my hope and desire for us today is though we will not be a church, that maybe, just maybe, because our routines have been broken, because our normal has been changed, that we will ponder for just a second 
Why do we do the things we do? What was the purpose of them? And are we the people who have gotten so in love with the ritual we forgot why it was there in the first place? To glorify God? To help us spread the gospel? For us to live a life that is resurrected? See, brothers and sisters, that's a huge point for us. I want you to look at a few passages with me. Um, we're, we're here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and it says this. It says, For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, again, according to the Scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to many more, 500 brethren at one time, most of whom who remain until now but some have fallen asleep. And so what, what's, what's Paul talking to? He's talking to, yes, Jesus was physically risen. Jesus, his body was raised. Jesus came back alive. And, and for us, I don't think that's the hardest thing to, to ponder in our lives. In fact, Jesus talked about this authority he had. Uh, if you look when he talked about being the good shepherd, he said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Moving forward a few verses, he says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I laid down my life, so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. That's from John chapter 10, verses 11, and then 17 through 18. And so, clearly throughout Scripture, Christ was saying, When I die, though it will look as if my life has been taken by others. Know this. No one takes my life from me. I am God. You do not take from me without me allowing. And so if I lay down my life, you better be aware that I have the power to pull it back. Right? This, this sacrifice that Jesus makes is not a sacrifice he's forced into. It's a sacrifice he willingly and joyfully makes. In fact, that's what we realize about love. Love is a joyful, willing sacrifice for the benefit of another. Jesus was willing to go through all of this. Why? For us. Because he loved us. But this resurrection wasn't just about him. It wasn't just his life resurrected because, again, brothers and sisters, if he could lay it down and take it back up, if no one could take his life from him, then, then his resurrection would just be a magic trick. Right? It would be God just showing his power for the sake of him showing his power. Oh, I'm going to die and then I'm going to raise myself up so you see how marvelous I am. But this was not what the resurrection was for. It wasn't just for God to display his power. It was for God to bring you and I back to life. See, the resurrection that happens on Easter is not just Jesus' resurrection. It's the resurrection of the life of every single believer. And God's word tells us that. See, in, in John three sixteen and 17, we always remember the verse, but I think sometimes we forget about its implications. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And always read 17 too. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but the world might be saved through him. Right? This was always about us. Jesus' life, Jesus' ministry, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, they're not about God just for himself. 
They're about God for us. They're about God redeeming us. And so here's what we learn about that. Romans 6, 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too walk in the newness of life. Do you get what that's saying? It's saying that because we have the Holy Spirit in us, because we have given our lives to Christ, because we are part of his family, this resurrection wasn't just his life being resurrected, it's ours. It's you and I, our old life of sin, our old life that was destined for hell, our old life that only had one future, which was death. That life was buried with Christ in that tomb. And on Easter Sunday, when he walked out in the fullness of his glory with new life, you and I walked out too. You and I walked out no longer tied to the anchor of death to a life controlled and ruled by sin. But we walked out in a newness of life. A life led in the spirit, a life led by the way and the truth. We were resurrected. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, it says it to us again. And you can find so many verses on this. And I think it's one of these truths that God just keeps trying to hammer into the head. Get it. You have a new life. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The new has come. What is that new? That new is a life that overcomes this world. A life that realizes we don't have to be slaves to the sin and to the darkness and to the death that surrounds us. If there's anything that I'm thankful for in this unbelievably scary time is that sometimes these times remind us of exactly the world we live in. We are so good at lying to ourselves. We are so good at creating facades that make it seem like things are what they are not. The reality is every single day, whether there's coronavirus or not, Every single day, death is all around us. Every single day could be our last. Every single day, we see sin ravage this world that we live in. It's just lately, it's been a little bit more apparent to us. And what we have to remember as Christians, as people whose hope is in the Lord, whose hope is in the Good Shepherd, that again is the way, the truth, and the life. We've overcome this world. Yes, we live in it. Yes, we feel its pain. Yes, we mourn and sorrow with it. But we have a hope and a faith and a trust that rises above it. And as scripture tells us, because of the spirit that's in here, you and I, we have a love and a joy and a peace and a patience and a kindness and a goodness and a gentleness and a self-control that rise above all these things. Why? Because we have this new life a new life and a life abundantly. And so brothers and sisters, as we close, I want to encourage you to make sure you're living that new life. Make sure that you just haven't settled for getting by. 
to make sure that you haven't just settled to run through the regular activities and think that those things, though good in themselves, are not the new life themselves. And that you really, truly chase and pursue with everything you have Christ. The answer to all that ails us, the answer to everything you're lacking, is found in Him. Chase Him. And remember, if you are a believer, you got a mission, you've got a job. Our job is to go out into this world and it is to make disciples. In fact, as you're looking at the book of John, uh, he's wrapping up. He's wrapping up his book and he reminds people of exactly why all this was there. He says, Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but they have been written. But this has been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That's our job. It's just like John who penned these beautiful words for us. And he penned them, why? So that we could know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That we would believe in him and in him we would have new life. And just as John did his job to get that word to others, it is your job to go get that word to others. And right now they need it. They need it in this time of darkness. They need it in this time of fear. They need you to be the light in the midst of darkness. They need you to point them to the way. Let us marvel at how awesome, how wonderful, how amazing, and how loving our God is. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we just come to you, Lord, on this day, this Resurrection Sunday. And we marvel, Lord, at the way you work. We marvel at the way you have blessed us, the way you love us, the way you've never given up on us. That, Father, even when our actions, when our betrayal, when our sin should have caused us to have one-way ticket to hell, when our only path forward should have been to death, you, Father, were willing to love us in such a way that you would send your one and only Son to this earth, not only to love us and to teach us and to guide us, but that ultimately, Lord, that he would die for us, paying the price of our sins, rinsing us clean so that we could be standing before you as innocent, Lord. And even bigger than that, that after we were claimed innocent, that you adopted us into your family, that you call us children, and that you let us be part of the kingdom. What an awesome gift. Father, may we never take for granted this new life that you have given us. And may each and every day our words, our actions, Every ounce of our life scream to the world that we belong to you. Father, we love you. We praise you. And we look forward to continually being surprised by you, Lord. For we know your ways are above ours. In the wonderful, holy, loving, and powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Happy Easter, everybody. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, make sure that you keep living the way that you are the church, not that you go to church. Make sure that you are staying connected to your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're part of a local church, 
you make sure you're you're tuning in you're listening you're praying for them you're giving um i don't know when this will end but it will end and when that day comes what a glorious day it will be for us to all be back in person again god bless you Uh, we will see you soon and happy easter